wasting your time. I have already claimed this place for myself, which means you are trespassing, and I am very territorial. <laughs> Welcome to the Crimson Head Elder podcast, showcasing Resident Evil Zero HD Remaster with the voice of Rebecca Chambers, Reva DePower. Join us now in the training center's main hall, but don't stray from Rebecca's side, because our unity is power, and power is life. I'm Reva DePaula, voice of Rebecca Chambers. Welcome to the Crimson Head Elder Podcast. This does not make any sense. How was the T-Virus leaked? And why did it contaminate both the lab and the mansion, as well as a train almost three miles away? That's irrelevant. We must make sure no knowledge of this gets out. Destroy the train. Welcome to the fifth Crimson Head Elder podcast. I'm joined this evening for a very special Resident Evil Zero HD debate and review with the voice of Rebecca Chambers, Riva De Paula, who will be joining us after our panel debate for an exclusive interview. Joining us on this evening's panel, we have site staff members Crimson Elder. Hey everyone, it's good to be back again. The Oracle Dragon. Hey there. And of course, USS Command. Howdy. And we have another special panel guest this evening, all the way from Project Umbrella, the Resident Evil Compendium. We have Neptune, a founding member of Project Umbrella, and also the host of the first Crimson Head Elder podcast, higher up on your CV perhaps, is founding <laughs> member of Project Umbrella, Neptune. Hello, yes, thank you for the introduction. Not quite worthy of it, I'm afraid, but hello everyone. <laughs> So first up on the agenda is Resident Evil News, and there's been quite a lot of news. Thank you to Crimson Elder, who's who's compiled it this week. I'm sorry already to say in advance that I know you spent some time compiling news on the injuries sustained during the recent Resident Evil film, but we don't cover non-canon issues here, so... There's probably going to be a bit of news about Umbrella Corps as well, which is non-canon. That's a good point. That's apparently canon, though, because that's a part of the news that I've got. It will be canon, uh, even though there's no story. It's not a what-if scenario, and it is canon. Umbrella Corps. 
In a recent GameSpot interview, series producer Kawata had this to say, The game's very much aimed at the West because of the popularity of first-person online games. Close quarters combat is for the Japanese market. It's very much being portrayed as a modern Resident Evil game set after Resident Evil 6. And here is the clincher is canon, not a what-if scenario. Oh dear. I've been onto their website today, and it says, 2003, the destruction of Raccoon City. Let me read the quote out. So this comes direct from the Umbrella Corps website. Uh, the year was 2003. Umbrella's secret biological weapon development caused the unprecedented biohazard outbreak that descended upon Raccoon City and led to the collapse of the pharmaceutical conglomerate. However, the destruction of Umbrella did not mean the end of bioterrorism. Ironically, their downfall allowed the threat of BOWs to spread further across the globe. Fast forward to 2015. Bioterror is rampant throughout the world, and the research left behind by Umbrella has only increased in value. Combatants slip into quarantine districts infested with the infected, many are zombie hunters entering on their own for sport, but behind the scenes are businesses seeking to obtain treatment, development rights, or secret new BOWs. Still, Umbrella Corps isn't here to tell you a story. The battle between the players who venture into this world is the story. Well, I've got it. the opposite Resident Evil game set after Resident Evil 6 and is canon. This is not a what-if scenario. Well, the thing that concerned me about what Neptune just read out was it's not trying to tell you a story, it is the story. So effectively, you, you make the story as you go along as the player. Quite an interesting way to look at a series canon, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's completely contradictory. The website goes out of its way to tell you there's no story. I got it off a GameSpot interview with Kawata. We'll see what happens. We'll see, yeah. I went to the Japanese site and it said it was canon. They also mentioned 2003 in the translation, but it mentioned something about Umbrella Collapse in, in 2003. If you interpret it as the year was 2003, that actually means the end of Umbrella. This game, Umbrella Corp, seems quite easy to be canon because of the biohazard world after 6, is that it is quite easy to get hold of the T-Virus and create a kind of hostel-type situation, as in the film Hostel, you know, where people pay to go and kill people and zombies. So... I wouldn't be surprised if you're doing a timeline. It's a little footnote going, at this time, this corporation was setting up business-like game scenarios for people to go and relive their sick fantasies of killing and blasting zombies' heads off. And, and that will be it. If you go back to this canon line, though, is, is not canon, and this is not a what-if scenario. And then the, the next line of his interview, he says, there will be strong hooks to the Resident Evil series, although there will be no forward-facing story. Which is why it leads me back to the idea that Take, for example, any series where the gameplay elements aren't always canon themselves. So you can't say in Resident Evil 2, for example, Leon kills one zombie and two zombies and three zombies. You know, the actual placement of zombies and creatures is all a bit non-canon in that sense. So for this, I think it will be just that kind of corporation has set up this game, people come in and play it, and then everything that happens in it is completely non-canon. I'm a big part of the Halo community and mm. big Halo fan. But Halo gets criticised for putting too much story into its stuff. Ugh. There's a whole canon explanation for all the multiplayer and all that stuff. It's all like a big simulation. I can go into more detail, but people hate that. They hate the idea that there's story with it. Halo 4 got panned real bad because of it. Too much story.
An employee at VGA247 played Umbrella Corps and wrote a positive article about it, but this is a man who said he hates Resident Evil and avoids anything from Capcom. However, he stated that this game plays like Call of Duty and he enjoyed it. Mm, take from that <laughs> what you will. I'm sure he'll love Resident Evil 5 as well. Ugh, 6. Don't I, forget uh, 6. That was a low blow. 6 is Call of Duty <laughs> style too. I don't understand because if you want to play a first person shooting up with zombies, you play Call of Duty. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. Well, I think we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the game looks absolutely atrocious. What's got I... me furious is that there's no story. It's from what I heard, it's just action paced, like Titanfall or something, but there's hardly any story, so you don't know what's going on besides two groups fighting each other. Well, according to the website, us as the players make the story. Oh, that could be anything. You see how crazy the fandom and fan fiction people can get. But what story can the players create when the actual gameplay is so restricted to 100% combat orientated? Star Wars Battlefront. <coughs> Kuwata also goes on to say that the production team are aiming for a claustrophobic online first-person shooter where you can be attacked from any angle. Small level designs with the combat very much at close quarters. Yeah, um, I don't know, got like an alien vibe off it where you'd be walking on a vent and then there'd be things underneath you or things from above that can attack you. But when you're talking about zombies and other players, then it's not exactly creepy, is it? It's just a shooter where you can get shot from above or below. Well, from that description, personally, I would have much preferred to have seen an HD remake of Dead Aim. And from that gameplay description, that would fit in nicely with a Dead Aim remaster. Dead Aim has the kind of auction type thing of selling of, of, of particular BOWs on the Spencer Rain, whereas this is kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised if the opening video of this game is almost like a TV advert or like a web internet page. Mm. It can make sense. I mean, it looks like they're just T-virus zombies going around. And by 2015, the T-virus has quite a few vaccines going around. By degeneration, there's at least three known. So the risk to people competing in this kind of war zone isn't as great as perhaps it was. So you can see it taking off. There won't be any DLC, but there will be free maps released at a later date. And it's an exclusive for the PlayStation 4. Yes, PS4 and PC only, with no PC or PS4 crossplay. It almost seems like an apology, because there's even more. This game's going to be at a reduced price, not full retail, to encourage everyone to pick it up. It's starting to sound like Operation Raccoon City. Oh, we'll give you this awesome game, but we're not going to tell you it's only half a game, and when you find out it's half a game, you're going to have to pay 10 bucks per level. <laughs> well, here's an idea. Perhaps we should encourage gamers to pick it up with intelligent, fast-paced, interesting gameplay, as opposed to just reducing the unimaginative, two-dimensional bullshit at a reduced price. If they do go down the route of doing an HD version of Outbreak, then I think that'll bring the series back up to date. Do you really want uh, Outbreak File 1 HD and an Outbreak File 2 HD? I don't know. I mean, I'm told by Welsh that all the textures for uh, Outbreak were downscaled to fit on the PlayStation 2, so it wouldn't be that much of a job in, in upscaling them to what they were. Yeah, but I mean, this is Capcom. I could really see them trying to pull that start. <laughs> I'd like to see it just as Resident Evil Outbreak, and then it'd be File 1 and File 2 in one yeah. game. Outbreak is primed for an HD remake as well because the technology is now there for it to actually be a quality game online. Wonderful Raccoon City game that everyone kind of wants. A game like that would be perfect for the Resident Evil online community rather than a game like Umbrella Corpse, which is something we wouldn't be interested in. I think something with RPG elements or something like Outbreak 
is more suitable to the Resident Evil audience. No mention of any Xbox release. Some good news for Xbox owners. Back to this. <laughs> Resident Evil 7 rumours. In an interview with Japanese video gaming blog Silicona, Kawata has been answering criticisms of the lack of survival horror in the series, stating, since there's been more spin-off titles, I can see how that can be perceived. And of course, I believe that we should produce titles that bring out the horror. I'm thinking about it and also preparing for it. So, not sure how he is preparing for that. Perhaps he could prepare for that playing Resident Evil 2. (laughs) And in a recent interview with Japanese website 4Gamer, Kawata has also been saying that in 2016 there will be many interesting announcements for Resident Evil. Whether we even get a teaser at E3 or or Tokyo Game Show remains to be seen, because we know they're doing Resident Evil 2. Yeah, obviously that's going to overshadow anything else that comes with it, isn't it? Mm. Certainly more promisingly for survival horror fans, Kawata has also told Dengeki PlayStation magazine that of course if people are looking forward to games that are more back on the main track that we've released so far, we've got stuff in the pipeline in that direction too, but we're currently not at a state to talk about it. They have quite a lot going on in this next year, so I, I didn't think they'd release 7, but like Kawata said, they have got some projects coming up. And staying with the rumour mill, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Very little development since that early flurry with the Facebook announcement. Yes, sadly we haven't had the uh, confirmation that it's been cancelled. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> I think we've had nothing but fan theories and stuff like, what would you want to be in the game? And that's the only news that was really out there. There's nothing like official. Perhaps they're waiting to see the sales figures and the critical response to the HD remakes. I was surprised that they didn't come out with a, a trailer, because uh, I thought it was all a bit of a um, PR stunt where they go, oh look, I'm now presenting this to the board. As I said, I, I'm just not sure about this game. In what way will Remake 2 please long-term fans of this game? And I, I, I struggle to think of a scenario unless they make it like Remake 1, which they won't. I'm only concerned with the map layout. Uh, if you look at Umbrella Chronicles and Darkside Chronicles, whenever they go to the emergency stairway in the back of the PlayStation, there's a whole street out there. Well, Raccoon City Police Department is surrounded by a concrete wall. You see that the other side of that wall in Resident Evil 3, where that big bus is crashed at. You know, you hear the machine gun firing, you find a dead UBCS guy. That's what you should be seeing when you get out to that door, a wall. But instead they put a whole street there that does not fit at all without recon in the area. So I'm just afraid, are they going to go and, you know, look at the old stuff for Resident Evil 2? Or are they going to go look at Darkside Chronicles and Umbrella Chronicles, you know, more up-to-date recent stuff? Because that's what people are yeah, going to recognize more. That would be my biggest concern, is that, is that point right there that you make. The newer gamer coming to this, they might not necessarily recognize what I would recognize as the iconic layout from the Nintendo 64 build. They're going to look at Umbrella Chronicles. They're going to look at Dark Side Chronicles. Oh, more depressingly, they're going to look at Operation Wrecking City. Hey, that's a funny thing. Overseas concept art got that police department right. Well, yeah, you're right. If you look at some of the concept art for Operation Raccoon City, it's fantastic. Go in our Resident Evil media section, and we're very happy and proud to have some very rare extractions that were passed to us very kindly by Nemesis CV. Extractions, concepts from Operation Raccoon City, which is at the Crimson Head Elder Resident Evil media section. Uh, Yeah, they're wonderful. Oh, this is a lot of concerns, <laughs> and there's probably just as many desires. If the game is remade in the same essence as Remake was made, then yeah, it'll be fantastic. 
Yeah, I, I basically don't trust the current Capcom with it, but I'm not going to judge just yet. I, I'd like to see some gameplay footage first before I make up my mind about that game. I'm sure we'll be spending the next couple of years preparing <laughs> for it. So brace yourself. In other news, Judy Voth, Canadian actress, model, and face behind Jill Valentine in Remake, Umbrella Chronicles, and Resident Evil 5, being the mocap actress. She's been cosplaying as Jill Valentine. Followers of her Twitter page will no doubt know that she's a huge, passionate fan of the series and a huge supporter of the character. So, uh, yeah, she's been cosplaying as Jill Valentine, and the inspiration she got for this was when a fan at a recent convention gave her a Jill Valentine beret. <laughs> was that you? No, with me. <laughs> I would have given a much better gift than a hat. <laughs> See, he giveth and then he taketh away. He gives her a lovely gift and then he insults her. All joking aside, Julia is a huge promoter of the series and of the character. She often promotes Jill on her Twitter page and is extremely proud of her involvement in the series. She's always promoting the series on Twitter. She's playing the games. She's actually part of some streaming website where they play the, the games. She, she plays Resident Evil and several other games. And she's dressed up in the Jill Berry on, on the video for that as well. So she's definitely proud of her roots. She's constantly talking about Resident Evil. She's even had roles given to her for TV series and web series. If they do reboot the movies or make a TV show, then she should be priority to play Jill. She's got kind of a cult following. Fantastic news for manga lovers everywhere and those who are into their zombies in bikinis. Oh. Tomes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with that sound by Neptune, I don't think we need to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, there we go, what Neptune said. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Island Tomes 1 and 2 have been translated into English. Manga Lion have translated the first two tomes, and there's a link at the site put up by Crimson Elder where fans can get information on that and read those English editions. I think the releases and the translation releases are quite sporadic. That was the problem with Mahara Desire. You would read one or two, and then there would be a wait of two, three, four, sometimes five weeks, and there'd be delays with the publishing. Yeah, it doesn't obviously help when the story itself is so appalling as well. Pretty sure they did one, and then there was like a four-month gap, and then they did two, and then there's been like a six, seven-month gap. Mm, they said yeah. they'd taken a break, whatever that means. Waiting for the dust to settle on the, <laughs> on the reviews before they hit us with another one. <laughs> Attention, this is Dr. Marcus. Please be silent as we reflect upon our company motto. Obedience breeds discipline. Discipline breeds unity. Unity breeds power. Power is life. I had no idea it was going to be so big. I feel so honored to be part of this game. And I'm super excited to share it with the next generation. The train section is one of the best bits in Resident Evil history. I think it's a pretty playable little kind of miniature level, if you like. A great introduction. I hate the train section. They need to feel real. They need to be living and breathing. It's really important to keep them grounded. I think it's so important to have an authentic sound. You're taken out of things when it sounds like a cartoon. This isn't a cartoon. (laughs) 
rushing winds, the rain, the fire... The, the clinking the, of the glasses. The chandeliers, I, I love that part, where the chandeliers actually tinkle. Anything that would bring to light Rebecca's weaknesses, see her in a new light, a weakness that's exposed that we haven't had an opportunity to really see before. Should have been Star's Bravo team, and you could have had them being picked off one by one. You play as Kenneth, and then he dies, and then you switch to Richard, and then yes. he's bit, and then he keeps switching characters until you get to Rebecca, who survives. How badass a character would she be established then if she was the only one who survived? I love Rebecca Chambers. She's in my head. It really only takes me a few minutes to get right back there with her. You have just heard some of the highlights coming up from our Resident Evil Zero HD Remaster debate and exclusive interview with the actress for Rebecca Chambers, Riva de Paula. We start with the release of the game she stars in. Top of this evening's news is the release of classic survival horror game Resident Evil Zero Remastered in HD out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One with 1080 support and PS3 and Xbox 360 with 720 support. All formats also benefiting from 5.1 surround sound and both classic and an alternative control scheme. Fans can also get hold of the remastered version of Resident Evil Zero packaged together with the remastered version of Resident Evil Remake in the Origins collection, released this evening on PS4 and Xbox One. Riva de Paula, actress for the game's star protagonist Rebecca Chambers, is coming up shortly, interviewed by our panel with a focus on the new remaster. But before that, we take a look over the origins of Resident Evil Zero, bringing its timeline right up to this evening's remastered release, reviewing and debating the HD experience and whether the GameCube original has been improved upon. Initial reviews have been mixed, Games Radar giving it 3.5 out of 5, Video Gamer 5 out of 10, IGN 6.5 out of 10, GameSpot 7 out of 10, Destructoid 9 out of 10, PlayStation Universe 7.5 out of 10, and PC Gamer 63 out of 100. It's it's an interesting one because you've got the, the con- people are either reviewing the original game or are they reviewing the kind of remake of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I think it's a difficult thing to come across because how should you review it? Should you review it in terms of what it looks like? Because that's all essentially an HD remake is, isn't it? It's just looking at the HD and you go, well, that looks nice. I've watched IGN's review And I just thought it was absolutely appalling. Uh, I thought the guy had no idea, frankly, what he was talking about. The criticisms he made were nonsensical. The only criticism he did make that I completely agreed with was the cutscenes. There there are two versions of the cutscenes, aren't there? There's the in-game cutscenes that use the in-game footage. And because the character models have been improved, those look fantastic. And then there's the cutscenes, which at the time looked wonderful looked stunning but now looked absolutely appalling but apart from that the criticisms of IGN are just nonsensical and I'll come to why during the review I've seen the IGN review and the way you reviewed it was like as though it was supposed to be more of a remake than a remaster he's been getting a lot of flack for that so I, I don't think you can take his review too seriously 
yeah, that's interesting because that's what I didn't like. It's completely pointless bringing up a review of an HD remaster and bringing up all the same criticisms from the previous game. It's not here to be reviewed for that purpose. It's here to be reviewed as an HD remaster. We'll come on to it, but the specific criticisms he made to do with the the new mechanics, which are old hat criticisms that have been made by all of Resident Evil Zero's detractors, I'll come on to why I think that not only do they not detract from the experience, they actually improve it. I'm not a big fan of Zero, to be honest, but you know I can still enjoy the port for what it is, and that's exactly what I've done. And if you go into it the way I've gone into it, thinking of it as a remaster, then I've actually taken something away from it which I didn't previously have. So maybe if he was a bit more open-minded, then he might have enjoyed it a bit more. Right, if we take a quick retrospective look back at the history of Resident Evil Zero, starting in 1999 with the N64 beta build, development began originally on the Nintendo 64, as we know. Uh, It was designed to be more difficult than previous Resident Evil titles, with a new item drop mechanic replacing item boxes, a feature that was inspired by the Famicom game Sweet Home, often referred to as the grandfather of Resident Evil. However, development hit a brick wall when head developer Yoshifumi Hiroeth became increasingly restricted by the N64's limited internal memory. Consequently, a completely new build was designed for the upcoming GameCube, with only the original narrative and a selection of concepts surviving this transfer. Now, at Crimson Head Elder, listeners can enjoy the Nintendo 64 unreleased concept art by Resident Evil Zero scenario artist Satoshi Nakai. Ridley, a Project Umbrella staff member, has very kindly given a joint exclusive to Crimson Head Elder and Project Umbrella to jointly release these artworks, which we have done and they can be enjoyed at our Resident Evil media section. Never before seen in public until this joint release, these are extremely rare concepts and they can be downloaded exclusively by our members. So just head over to the site, head over to our Resident Evil media section and you can check those out there. I would say, I'll start off by by saying the N64 version is probably my favourite version of the game. I agree. I know we've only seen such a tiny, tiny amount of it. But without a shadow of a doubt, it looks the most Resident Evil hmm. of the release. There's nothing wrong with the final product was, but you could put the Zero, the N64 Zero version, in that bracket of original 2, 3, and that would have fitted quite nicely. It looked like classic Resident Evil. The increasing capabilities with each new generation of console has almost worked against some of the the, the styling and the atmosphere of Resident Evil, that perhaps it it does work best on that late 90s pre-rendered backgrounds where where they were restricted to a certain extent. It's harder to replicate, but I think it's still doable, but it's, it's definitely harder because you've got games like Remake and Lost in Nightmares. I think they did a really good job at capturing the tension. But like Neptune said, I completely agree. The, the the better version for the N64, that was a far superior looking game to me. And uh, that's something I would have much rather played. One of the things that really stuck out for me in the beta was Rebecca walks by a window to pick up an item and you can see zombies walking through the, yeah. the forest, through the trees. They should have left something like that in. Especially yeah. after Edward's like, this, the forest is full of zombies and monsters. Zombies bursting through the train carriages, reminiscent to the corridors and the windows in the RPD. I, th- I think it's hard because we, we we don't see beyond it. Because I think most people are 
I think that the the train section is one of the best bits of Resident Evil history. I think it's a pretty playable little kind of miniature level, if you like. A great introduction. I hate to... the train section. Oh, no! <laughs> I, I, every time I beat it, I get bored of the game. Yeah, I'm done for a while. And then once I get to the training facility, I, I love it once you get there. I just think that the because we've only seen such a small part of the N64 game, it's hard to hard to know what what would have happened afterwards, whether what the training facility would have looked like. That is where the restrictions really kicked in. I think it works very well on that train, that limited design, very claustrophobic. Parallels with the corridors in Resident Evil 2. I take Neptune's point, but I wonder if some of that is just to do with the fact that it it, it dresses in the same way as the as the older games. Yeah. One last thing on the artwork, it's interesting to note if there's a developing theme between those concepts that were dropped between the two builds and those that were carried over for the GameCube. The heavy use of mammal and insect-based secondary infectants that we get in the GameCube build, those are lacking from concept art that we see from the N64 build, which was very much more eccentric BOWs and more fantastical designs. I don't know. You've got frogs, you've got turkeys, still the scorpions and the spiders and the dogs and the centipede and the leech. I know what you're saying. There's some weird things that would drop probably for the right reasons, but... Uh, you got the mimicry Marcus and things like that. When I saw the artwork, it was my view that they clearly wanted to keep it very organic from the beginning. You can see what they originally are supposed to be. Did you see the punk version of Belly? It's a pretty interesting design, but imagine if that was the version they went with for Belly in the game. He's got the spike hair, the purple glasses, the punk-out shirt... <laughs> I think that would have worked better if his motivations were a little bit more vague. If there had, been, you know, that would have increased the tension. If you, if you weren't quite sure whether he was going to turn, whether he was aiding Rebecca, whether he's going to be a little bit more hostile towards her. So I think that would have worked really well, rather than this. Just I, I find this sort of rather anodyne character. If that was an unlockable outfit for Billy, it would probably change how you would think about him if he went with that outfit. Yeah, definitely. I just even from the start, I think it would have worked worked really well. If you look at the one picture that looks like an alien creature, if you look carefully at the arc on the one leg, it comes from the version of Steve from Code Veronica. The arch on its leg. Well, it was the same scenario artist. Satoshi Nakai was the scenario artist for both Code Veronica and Resident Evil Zero, so that may be where the cross-comparisons come from. Very much alien-esque, isn't he? Yeah. He looks like he's walked straight off the set of Alien. All these B.O.W.s are actually better than what we got, though. Well, one thing that was uh, relevant in the designs of these creatures, even from this early stage with the N64 build, was the limitations that the developers had on, on, on the enemy design due to Zero setting as a prequel. The point being that any impressive and effective BOW that was seen in Zero would surely be part of a preceding narrative and thus would logically feature in Remake, for example, and further sequels. So it would make no sense if these creatures were never seen again. So having Resident Evil Zero's enemies as secondary infected animals and the insects that were surrounding the facilities of the surrounding environment rather than man-made BOWs, negates that problem. You know, Resident Evil Zero has been often criticised for its BOW design, but therein lies the the, the defence, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what you you guys think, but, you know, having the secondary infected animals as opposed to BOWs that were were mass-produced, you know, negates the problem of never having seen them again, because obviously they were specific to that environment, that ecosystem that surrounded the, the, the facility. So I don't know if that was at play in the developers' minds. 
They could always pull the same thing they did with the ticks. The Sega version of Director's Cut had the hunters replaced by an insectoid hunter variant called ticks. The Biohazard 3 guidebook that simply said, there have been rumored to have been manufactured in the Arkley facility. They never appeared again. They, they only appeared in that version. So they could have always done that. It does look like a hunter, but it does have insect-like features. Yeah, they were a hunter subtype. They basically yes. took hunter DNA and then put it with an insect type. They yes. are canon. They're referenced in the Biohazard oh. 3 guidebook. I think there was the intention to do it, to make it seem like these are crap POWs for that purpose. The Eliminator is a perfect example, isn't it? It's to suggest that there's been monkey testing before human testing. They're awful POWs. How many of those POWs were designed for mass production? You've got the Eliminators. Play crawlers were created. They're POWs. Um, the Eliminators, the Hunters. The giant spiders are kind of in the middle. Like, they did work on spiders, but I don't know if the ones in-game were... I had an argument with Newswell about this once. Um, <laughs> in the English archives, it says something about the Zero ones. Um, of course, the Stinger is a BOW, and so is Type Y139, who we never see, which is the Crustacean BOW. Moving on from the N64 build, we then have the GameCube build started in 2000, released in 2002. With the transition to GameCube allowing for increased memory, all the pre-rendered environments were upgraded and additional CGI videos created. The GameCube build received very positive reviews at the time, far more than may be appreciated today with Famitsu scoring it at 38 out of 40, Eurogamer awarding it 8 out of 10, and it received 9s out of 10 from both Game Informer and GameZone. Elements of the game receiving high praise at the time included the graphics, the musical score and the atmosphere. Bones of contention, both positive and negative, included the new partner zapping mechanic, the new item management system and the eccentric narrative that deviated considerably from what many RE fans had hoped for at the time. Only put under scrutiny from serious, serious followers who would have preferred Enrico Marini's journey to the Spencer Mansion, Rebecca Chambers was generally praised as an original and dynamic female lead, but most recently came under criticism from Shinji Mikami, series producer, when promoting his game The Evil Within. He commented, if I had to name the woman character I most disliked in my games, it would be Rebecca Chambers. She's submissive, she's not independent, I didn't want to include her, but the staff wanted that kind of character in the game for whatever reason. I'm sure it made sense to them, and in Japan that character is pretty popular. I I don't know what you guys think, I think that scathing review is completely unjustified and almost sounds to me that it's come from someone who hasn't even played through the game. Yeah, because Rebecca clearly demonstrates her authority toward Billy, but he kind of mocks her because she's small and she's young. What he said about Rebecca, you could describe Sherry in Resident Evil 2 that way. Absolutely. Or any character you had an escort. An interesting choice in terms of the youngest, most inexperienced, some may say a, a brave choice. And I think if handled well, could have been very interesting and actually played well alongside uh, a Billy Cohen that perhaps who, whose motives were a little a little more vague and perhaps even been so apparent from the beginning that it was you know he was the victim of this miscarriage of justice. It would have been far more interesting to have this question mark over betrayal and and whether he was going to aid or hinder Rebecca, and that certainly would have you know cranked the tension up during the game. 
I was just going to say that I never really had a problem with Rebecca, personality-wise or anything like that. My my main problem was the fact that she never really progressed, and that's more down to Mikami and Capcom. They definitely should have progressed the character. Since she may be in the CGI movie or the stage play coming up, hopefully we get to see something like that, because it'd be a shame if, after all these years, she's still this submissive character. She should take more of a lead role now. So then bringing us into 2008, we have the Nintendo Wii port. Universally criticised for not fully using the remote controller's functions, including the pointer controls, and for relying too heavily instead on the classic controller. It was also universally panned for not supporting the Wii's improved EDTV or HDTV 480p setting with use of the component cable. And Wii owners were also forced to change the screen setting from widescreen back to 4.3 if they wanted to see any of the action. It's exactly the same game, it's just a different controller. See the amazing out. difference of Zoom. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of difference between a component between 480p and whatever the standard setting is through the composite cable. I've got Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which looks a tad better, and that's a good game to kind of highlight the HD TV-ness of it because it's just it's permanently covered in fog. So it does it does look a bit better, but I mean the, the different the difference is is negligible. But at least try, at least put at least give it the option of a of a slight upgrade. I mean, 480p is what? Half HD. Considering the Wii's backwards compatible with the GameCube, it, 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 it seems somewhat redundant to, to buy this version that had no, no improvement over the GameCube version. Now, if we take a brief look at the narrative of Resident Evil Zero, some serious fans those that like to follow the canon with a keen eye felt let down by the choice of James Marcus to introduce the origins of the T-virus outbreaks. Now, as we all know, Oswald E. Spencer would have been the obvious choice, but had already been signed up by the concurrently developed Resident Evil 4, when that game existed as what is commonly known as the Fog Build. So Zero needed another Umbrella founding member. However, what fans did get with James Marcus, um, well, I would suggest made the peculiarities of the Ashford family look quite normal, as we ended up with an operatic singing, ridiculously aged young man with a biography... um, what lazily similar is it fair to say to Birkin's demise and then you know resurrection by his life's work kind of but remember Marcus Mm. dies that day when he's shot by Birkin and Wesker he doesn't come back it is the queen bitch inside him that comes back which is why Umbrella Chronicles portrays the Queen Leech much better than the game. Okay, and that's, that's interesting. That's the only thing I would have changed, rather than having this stupid young version of Marcus that looks yes. human. I would have, I would have had the Umbrella Chronicles version of the Queen Leech, which makes so much more sense. Why would leeches suddenly look like skin color and you know wear white clothes? You know, it's mm. just it's pointless. Whereas the Queen Leech in Umbrella Chronicles is that kind of grey greeny color of the mimicry Marcus BOWs. Nothing wrong with Marcus per se. Um, remember, at the time, of course, it was Birkin that created the T virus, and then that was changed to be him. The canon story at that point was it, it was Birkin, but then he's kind of credited with it later on, just to kind of cover the murder that he committed. 
it was retconned as well with um, Wesker's report too, kind of changing all that. It didn't flow as well as it could comparatively to what we knew in Wesker's report too, because it was obviously being developed at the same time, and they didn't want to muck it up with the time scales, which is why they put dates of 19xx. You don't get the dates, you have to work it out. And that was a big debate. Was he shot in 1978 or was it 1988? Was he left alone for 10 years, which he was? And th- there doesn't appear to be a-, a good cohesion between the people who are writing Remake and Wesker's Report 2 than it was with Zero. The way Wesker's Report 2 is written, it, it-, it implies that uh, mixing it- the Ebola virus with the progenitor virus creates the T-virus. We now know through the translations at Project Umbrella, T-virus is a kind of is a global term for a, a, a collection of. It's a T-virus, not the T-virus. It's not. There's not yeah. one T-virus. There's, lo- there's hundreds of different different strands. The airborne version in Kovonica, and uh, there's a, I think it's a slightly different beta strand. And it had the opportunity to make that quite clear, and it didn't. It answered questions that weren't necessarily being asked, which I think is one of its biggest failings in terms of the narrative. Subsequent games helped, and of course the X-Files from Resident Evil 2 helped because they mentioned Marcus and Billy. I enjoyed the fact that almost like a puzzle you could try and piece together the canon from reading those files. Similar parallels with Remake, it you know, almost felt like an investigation and you were trying to find out what happened. I mean, that's something certainly I missed from the series. Oh yeah, they should have explored Bravo Team more. <laughs> exactly, yes. that's my biggest flaw with this game, and it pretty much ruins the whole experience for me. I want to play and experience the Bravo Team, and I want to find out what happened to them pre-Mansion incident. And we don't really get any of that. We get the opening cutscene, which is my favorite part of the game, easily, and then we get the little cameo with Enrico later on. But that's about it. A cameo that I might add makes no sense at all. It just should have been Star's Bravo team, and you could have had them being picked off one by one. You play as Kenneth, and then he dies, and then you switch to Richard, and then yes. you just bit, and then you keep switching characters until you get to Rebecca, who survives. I mean, how, how badass a character would she be established then if she was the only one who survived out of all those players you went through? Could you have done smaller little stories, a bit like the outbreaks with all the different characters, as you said, if they're all picked off one by one? It's frustrating because you can see from the concept artwork, and you'll see where I'm going with this, that at no point were the characters, was Rebecca supposed to end up at Birkin's lab? The Sky Tram that they were on was supposed to go from the church straight down to the water treatment facility, which was on the outskirts in the forest somewhere. But then at the last minute, they decided, why don't we have that go to the marshalling yard, which, of course, not only fucks up the geography, it fucks up the point that wherever the marshalling yard is, which, contrary to what people say, is is on the outskirts of the city. You can see the mountains, but it's not in the mountains. To then to, to go, oh, there's, there's a biohazard outbreak just going on next door. Oh, don't worry, we'll blow it up. It's so superficial. It's a fully operational umbrella lab. Oh, well, don't worry, it's just a tyrant running around next door. That's fine. No, it's not. This is, a, this is a biological disaster. It's so forced on just to have that scene back in Birkin's lab. Completely unnecessary. And then to top it off, we suddenly have Enrico turn up using the master elevator who would have got it off a floor that, you know, would have picked it up on a, on, on a level that we've not seen in either Resident Evil 2 or The Outbreak. And said, oh, yeah, I was just stumbling across and I found this elevator. You're like, what the fuck? Where the hell did you come from? You know, they have to insert the magic elevator just so you can go back because of the item dropping mechanic. 
you know, and and then so you're you're down on the bottom floor with Enrico, and he goes, "Oh, the mansion's this way." You've not been here before. You're suddenly going up. Where, where are you going? <laughs> there is no that way. In the Resident Evil Two guidebook that got translated by Project Umbrella, it mentions that there's a tunnel that links the Arkley Mansion to Birkin's lab. Could that be what they were trying to do with Zero? Is- is there really? That's really strange because I, I did some fan fiction basically trying to tell the story of Enrico, how he actually did end up there and back again. And if there is if there is a secret tunnel, then that's quite amusing because that's, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's what I came up with. <laughs> on the Q&A section of it, there's a question like, if Birkin and his wife is on the photograph, how didn't they die in the Arkley facility? The answer was there's a tunnel that they used to escape and with all the data. To date, Resident Evil Zero has sold 1.25 million copies in comparison to the most recent title, Resident Evil 6, which sold 5.2, Capcom's most successful Resident Evil title, Resident Evil 5, which sold 6.5, Remake, which sold 1.35 million, and Resident Evil Revelations, one of the poorest selling Resident Evil titles, which only managed to scrape in sales of 1 million. It'd be interesting to see if, if these games come out on PlayStation 2 just how well they would have sold, and then would we have needed to change the series? I mean, if if the game was released on PlayStation, like remake was released on PlayStation Two, it would have probably had better sales, definitely. And you know, we we might have they might not have seen the need to change it then, and we wouldn't be having this Resident Evil Six bullshit. So, I think I think the series would have changed anyway because the pre-rendered backgrounds were on their way out, but towards the end of the PlayStation Two lifetime. I think now now is as good a time as any though for them to bring these, especially fixed camera angles back. Because you got all these games now, you got Walking Dead and Until Dawn, which are doing really well for themselves. So I don't see why Capcom has to distance themselves from it so badly. They're aiming for this Call of Duty audience when there's just as much demand for games like Walking Dead and uh, Until Dawn. That's just tragic. More people wanted five out of all of those games. Good grief. Gameplay aside, its story went somewhere. Yeah. What you can say about the others. Well, in terms of Zero, you got the fact that it was made for RE 3.5 and then the storyline was never really ended because that game was scrapped. But I think Resident Evil 5 did a great job of continuing the story and it's done it for several other games in the series as well. So mm-hmm. in terms of Resident Evil 5 story, I think it's probably the best in the series. For me personally, the perfect Resident Evil game would be if you married Resident Evil 5 story uh, with the gameplay of Resident Evil Zero or Resident Evil Remake. Well, we did get Lost in Nightmares, which was pretty close. With Lost in Nightmares, what I thought was a real tragedy was the fact that they had there, for me, a template of the perfect Resident Evil game moving forward. Everything they did correct with with Lost in Nightmares, they, they seemed to completely forget about in the design for Resident Evil 6. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not just the gameplay, in terms of story as well. I mean, they set up Alex Wesker thing, but they kind of fucked that up in the end by killing Alex off. Resident Evil 5 and Lost in Nightmares set so much up for the series in terms of past and present. So on now with our Resident Evil Zero remaster debate and review. With me here, he's made the long trip from Wales, Crimson Elder. Hello again. We've both been playing the game together, Crimson Elder, on the PlayStation 4. I've also got it running on Xbox One, and we will be comparing back and forth with the 2008 Wii Archives edition. If we go through the panel, initial thoughts and what system we've got it on, 
Crimson Elder. I probably wouldn't have picked this game up if it didn't have Remake on it. That was a big selling point for me. So you've got the Origins collection? I've got the Origins collection. Um, I got it from shop2.net. They give it to you a day early, which is great, and it was cheaper than anywhere else, £25. You'll walk into a room now and you'll see about 50 things that you didn't see on the GameCube version, so it's great for that because you, you will take your time and explore this game probably for the first time, truly, uh, looking at the environments and things. So if you're a fan of the game, this is a great version of the game to own. Since playing Zero, I have enjoyed it a bit more than I thought I would. Maybe I was a bit harsh on it before. Maybe it's because of the state of the current series, but I have enjoyed it a bit more than I anticipated. That's been the one thing that I've never understood, the main detractors from Resident Evil Zero that then hold up Remake as the pinnacle of the series, when for me there's so many parallels. Yeah, exactly, and I think the gameplay is absolutely fine. It's just my, my problem with the game is narrative. The Oracle Dragon, what system are you playing it on and your initial thoughts? Well, I got the Origins collection and I'm playing it on the Xbox One and so far I am loving the details. Yeah. Seriously, I spent three hours wandering around looking at every single detail and going, Oh, look at that! Oh, look at this! Oh my gosh, there's guts hanging out of the dog! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it's a wonderful tour, isn't it, for just anyone who loves Resident Evil? It is so cleaned up, you can actually see the stuff that you couldn't see in the original because there's that hazy fogness to it. The paintings are just wonderful, although I don't know... I've never really had a desire to see the little willy of a cherub. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> well, a lot of the paintings are rather religious-based, aren't they? And there's, there's a lot of naked cherubs. What's a cherub? It's a little baby, like, angel with wings. Oh, they're usually naked. I was going to say. Look- it's like Cupid. It's like Cupid. He's always naked. <laughs> I thought it was like a fruit. <laughs> Oh, the conference room, the one with the podium and stuff, I really enjoyed that. You can actually see the details of the wall paintings, the progression to the war painting. I never actually noticed that before because you couldn't see what it was. And I'm like, oh, it shows a progression of what goes on to a war, and then the after effects of a war, and the mysterious blank one. Neptune? It's a wonderful looking game. It was then, it still is now. The high definition graphics, especially for the train section in particular, really bring out like the shadowing and all the lighting textures are, are, are extremely excellent. And the reviews I've read still praises that quite considerably. It looks better than Remake. It has a different atmosphere to Remake. At the time, some of the moving pre-rendered backgrounds helped. Because obviously in Code Veronica you had the full moving backgrounds, but the backgrounds were so bland. With Zero, they kind of had a lot of, you know, some of the big rooms, the camera moved at the same time, which is quite nice. You'll struggle to find a better-looking pre-rendered game. USS Command, your initial thoughts and the system that you're playing it on? I'm playing on the Xbox One. I got it digitally. I've been through the game three times already. Twice on the main story thing, and then I went through it once on Wesker mode, and I 100% completed the Leech Hunter game. You've been pretty busy. I was wondering what you were doing. Busy boy. You've all been looking at paintings. I've been looking at the environment. Well, I'm looking around too, you know. You can actually see how weather-worn the mansion is and how much damage the crows have been doing to it too. All the zombies you fight are investigation teams, and there's evidence of their struggle, evidence of them fighting and stuff. For example... The main hall, second floor, there's the room where you have to use the clock puzzle to unlock. Yeah. Well, in that room, there's like four USS zombies. The leeches are weak against fire. You can tell they learned that because they ran to this bookshelf, started grabbing books, and started making a fire with it. You can see where they drop books along the way to the fire. That is yeah. cool. I'm going to look for that. <laughs> there's yeah. other rooms where the uh, the projector, 
it, there's like a few zombies in there, and like there's a few pieces of paper dropped around. But the only thing that's really interesting in the room is in the back of the room, there's a broken chair leaning towards the wall, and, and against the wall, there's a big dent where it looks like something got smashed against the wall. So you're all looking at paintings. I'm here looking at combat damage, blood trails, and splatters leading to like, you know zombified corpses. I mean, like when you first get into that sewer spot, right after the train crash, there's blood leading right up into up the yeah. I noticed that, yeah. I did see that. And that's what I love about these remasters so much. Each of these rooms tell their own story, and Resident Evil is so rich in that. And with the resolutions being able to show up more detail, it effectively shows us more of the story and allows us to enjoy more of those signature rooms and get an idea of the history of those rooms. And it opens up more of the story of the training facility to us. The background stuff looks much better than what they did with the remake HD. Because, like, the signs ain't blurry this time. You can't actually read them. I'm playing it here on the Xbox One as part of the Origins collection. My initial thoughts, two points, really. Yeah, of of course, the improved HD visuals, particularly with the zombies. I think the zombies look absolutely fantastic. The character models look wonderful. But what we did see, and, and it's interesting to compare with the PS4 version, Crimson Elder, is we we both jumped up in horror when we saw the first cutscene. Relatively poor on the PS4, and even worse on the Xbox One. In fact, we put on the GameCube version. Would you agree, Crimson Elder, that the standard, the resolution of the trailers, and I'm talking not about the trailers that use the in-game character models, but the FMVs, no difference between the PS4 and the GameCube, is there? There is this really minimal. I read the IGN review and they point, they pointed that out quite easily. That the, that there's been, although the in-game stuff has been properly upgraded, the, the videos actually look quite poor. They've done absolutely nothing to these FMV cutscenes. They remain to be like cartoony. Yeah, there is there is a certain some of the the scenes. There is a certain cartoony feel to it. Some of the color may be off. I think that reason is it's probably your TV because I noticed that on some of the cutscenes where it gets really dark that it has that shiny cartoon look. But if I looked at the recording, it was perfectly clear. So I guess it might be from the TV. Well, I'm going to change my TV settings around when I next play because the shadowing and the dark areas of these main cutscenes on the Xbox One look appalling. They're almost not fit for purpose. It makes some of these cutscenes unwatchable. I just feel almost cheated when I look back at some of these developer videos and there's an interesting development pardon the pun to those diaries in that for the first one is bang look at these fantastic improved character models and they do they look stunning compared to the GameCube character models but then suddenly and interestingly for developer diary number two three and four the focus suddenly shifts back to the N64 build and the history of the game and then there's some developer interviews but nothing actually in terms of any further improvement because effectively they've presented to us what the improvement is. It's the character models and its environments but they are noticeably quiet when it comes to the cutscenes. It's scandalous, it's unforgivable that they've just included these cutscenes without any improvement similar to the Code Veronica HD update. And that's what I felt really let down by. There were particular scenes that I was really looking forward to depicted in the FMV videos when Billy and Rebecca come up through the sewers having just escaped the Ecliptic Express crash and they're coming into the training facility for the first time and you have that wonderful camera pan around them. But that looked absolutely appalling. Yeah, well, they all do, don't they? All the FMVs. And those are some of the best moments in the game. 
The only cutscene I ever truly noticed that was really bad was 10 years ago, Spencer had me assassinated. Spencer. Oh my god. That, that one was really, really blurry. What, what is up with his voice, anyway? What is up with old man Marcus's voice? 10 years ago, Spencer had me assassinated. <laughs> you sound like a southerner now. <laughs> when he's a young strapping lad, he's got this beautiful voice, you know, he's singing on the hilltops. And la, la, la. Yeah, that happens. That oh. happens to a lot of people when they get older, their voice just breaks up and oh, sounds okay. different. We're going to put it down to old age. The only thing I ever saw bad about the cutscenes were the lip syncing. Besides that, Billy has the same problem in this game that Travis from Silent Hill Origins has, where his cutscene character model looks quite a bit different than his in-game model. Like, I think yes. he looks much younger in the cutscenes, but in the game he looks more older and rugged. On a positive note, what were clearly inferior cutscenes at the time, because they were using the in-game character models, now look wonderful. There are those moments as well that can be enjoyed with, with that improved resolution, isn't there? Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. I think the, the graphics are gorgeous for this game. And I mean, some reviewers are saying that it looks dated, and I don't understand how they can be saying such a thing. If it's, if I didn't know about this game and, and I played it today, you know, today for the first time, I, I'd think it was a, a 2015 game. It, it looks better than some PlayStation 3 games. But USS Command is correct. The lip-syncing... <laughs> Is, is Well, it looks like one of those very old Japanese badly lip-synced karate movies, doesn't it? Especially where in, uh, William and uh, Wesker is talking in the elevator. And you've waited all this time to see these two characters interjecting with each other, and for me, the, the, the appalling lip-sync just takes you right out of the moment. I thought when they got to the training facility, yeah, I thought there was like a, quite a large dip in, in the graphics. Did anybody else feel that way? I thought the train... They spend a lot of time on the train, especially the, the first few rooms, because they look yeah. amazing. Further along, you kind of go lower and lower in the graphics. I don't think they spent as much time on anywhere else in the game as they did on the train. And that's probably because that's the first thing people are going to see. And that's if you watch a walkthrough, you're going to watch the first 20 minutes. Do I like it? Yeah, it looks mm. great. You're probably not going to watch up to the training facility. You might go up and buy it by then. I really enjoy how they change the special costume stuff. Like you can access it from the inventory. I like that. You can do it at any point. Go to their personal item and click on it, and you can switch, and you'll pop a little uh, suitcase, and all the costumes you will be right there. And you can change the outfits before actually finishing the game. Yeah, at any point in time. Yeah, we'll have to look out for that. Is that unlocked from the beginning, or do you unlock it as you go through? Just from the beginning. Click on their special personal item, and there'll be a switch button, and you'll switch it as a suitcase, bring up this new menu where you can go look at all the costumes. Moving on, we've got the musical score and sound effects. Now, with the remaster, we have remastered sound effects with 5.1 surround support. It's the first time this game's been in surround sound. So, like the remake, if you've got that capability, then you're going to, you know, it's, it's bound to be far more atmospheric. And for someone that did play remake in HD and in surround sound, it's a completely different game when you've got it going. One thing that was mentioned with regard to the remake remaster was the fact that there was some poor quality sounds. Some people felt, particularly with various tracks in particular rooms, that there was some interference. Also criticism of the fact that they changed around some of the tracks. I didn't notice any remixes and I didn't notice any problem at all with the surround, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. What did you guys think? I'm with you. I didn't notice anything different. The game sounds amazing. Like I'm playing it right now on the uh, with the surround sound headset I'm using to talk to you guys with. That sounds great. I've always thoroughly enjoyed the music of Resident Evil Zero up there with, with Resident Evil 2. 
Yeah, it's got a good soundtracks in the game, especially the one where you're walking towards the church for the first time. It's great, but there's just not yes. enough of them. The train, it, it took me a while to notice, but the train, there's, there's no music. I think perhaps that's because they're relying on the train particularly. They're relying on the environmental features to provide that. So you've got crashing of the rain, you've got the sound of the train. If they did provide musical tracks, then you know that may have got in the way. You know, The, the RPD, for example, is is just completely steeped in silence and so each track really gives character to a room whereas with the, with the train the character comes from the sounds around you the rushing winds the rain the fire the, the clinking the, of the glasses the chandeliers and, i love that part where the chandeliers actually tinkle and then you get that contrast before and after the train moves as well don't you yeah I like the use of silence to inject tension and fear into the atmosphere. You've got some rooms, this was used in Remake, where you've got a signature track and then you're just walking to another room and then you're hit with sharp silence. And I think that works well and they've used that very well in this game. With the 5.1 surround support, that contrast works even better failings, criticisms of the game at the time for the GameCube build failings specific to this remaster. The worst looking room in the game is where Rebecca finds Billy just after he's coming out of the water. It looks like the Aqua Ring in Remake. They just haven't touched it, which was my problem with Remake when they remastered that game. And then I realised that there's a waterfall shooting down and there's water coming out of it. Mm. That's exactly like the Aqua Ring. There's water. So I don't know why, but it seems to be water with these games. Any rooms that got moving water, they, they can't seem to touch the environment. Well, that's a shame because one of the things they really made a big deal about was the improvement in the environmental features. Well, I think in their defence, perhaps there are some things that they are restricted in, in, in certain ways. If they're not going to rebuild from scratch, then there's only so much improvement they, they can do. We've seen this with, with some of the other rooms in the HD remaster of Remake, haven't we? Yeah. That sometimes you upscale the, the these old textures too much and you're just effectively highlighting the imperfection in them. My initial thoughts on the environmental features is that they do look beautiful. I take your point about that room, but I think generally speaking, the, the rain effects, particularly on the train on the Ecliptic Express, are wonderful. The 3D builds of the fire now, I think, look, look spectacular. There may be little things, but I think they really bring out the the atmosphere in these rooms. I said the same thing about on the remake podcast that they've ported or remastered about eighty percent of the game, which is I don't know. It seems a bit lazy to me. If you're going to do it, then do it right. I was slightly concerned. It's fantastic as a tour, as a trip down memory lane for us old school heads, but for the new gamers and the new audience that Capcom want to put into Resident Evil. They're not going to be swayed by, oh, look, I can now finally read that it says conductor's office. Once you've got past that initial, oh, look, I can see the, the specific detail there, you're left with the actual game. They're going to be pulled in by the gameplay mechanics and the story. You get used to it quite quickly. It's like if you get a brand new TV and you go, oh, it's 4K, it's HD. Within seconds, you just go, well, that's how it always was. Now, USS Command's got a very, very good point to point out about Wesker mode. First of all, I want to say it's pointless, all right? It's the game on normal with Wesker as a skin. It might as well just been a special costume you unlocked in the main game. But it's so gimmicky, and I can just smell the lemon-scented fan fiction that's going to be growing out of this. 
<laughs> I don't see the thrill in going through the training facility as a character that plays no part in the game. In fact, is so canically completely incorrect that it, it just feels like I'm just shitting on my food before I eat it. <laughs> Makes you feel any better. I think Wesker in game feels the same way because if you tell him to split, tell Rebecca to split up, he'll say, "I don't need this." <laughs> if Alice was in the Resident Evil game, I think it'd look like that. The two special abilities are annoying to do. Like that charge up where you smack your hand in the air and everything around you dies. Mm. To get that to charge up takes a long time. Okay. By the time it's charged up, you're getting bitten by zombies. Crows are pecking your eyes out. You got hunters slashing you, monkeys attacking you. And then that stupid sprint thing, you start it by mashing the B button and you start flying across the room. So it really is a gimmick because... Not only does it add nothing to the gameplay, the gameplay itself renders it completely useless. Yeah, both of his abilities would work perfectly fine if this game played like Resident Evil 4 or 5, where you can actually you know, move around better. It works good in the train to sprint, because it's a big long hallway basically, but anywhere else it's not worth sprinting. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. The obvious mode they should have put in and they really wanted to bring Wesker in was to do a nice HD version of Beginnings from Umbrella Chronicles. But that's just one of those ideas that is just so good and makes so much sense. <laughs> why, why not? I mean, you, you've got all the assets there. You could add a bit more exploration. And then, of course, you could have a nice boss battle with Ivan. That would have been great. I don't know why they just continue to do this crap with Wesker mode. I mean, who really gives a toss? Why, why can't we just have a nice piece of DLC like that? One of the main things the game has been criticised before in the past are the new features. We've got the partner zapping system and the item management. I think it was Cube magazine uh, when they reviewed it. They gave it a 9 out of 10, I remember. But they said it was ironically the, the, the improvements over Remake which detracted from the fear. The fact that you've got two characters completely negates that feeling of mm. isolation, and which is yeah. which is why the train bit's the best because you are on your own for all of it, yes. and, and and everywhere else you're going around with two people, there is that degree of oh, don't worry too much. I know Billy's there with me, and it's better if you're on your own. I I personally don't understand why people criticise the partner zapping. I don't agree that having two people takes the tension out of the game because, guess what, I'm fully aware that the person controlling Billy is myself and not another person. If it was an additional independent person, then yeah, maybe it would take some of the tension out. But when it's me controlling both characters, I don't feel any less tension to when I'm controlling one character because it's still me. I'm still in danger and in fact, if anything, I think the two characters increases the tension because you've got double the chance of taking injury. Twice as much chance of dying because you've got both characters that are at any one point whether they're together or almost more dangerously separately they can be attacked i thought it gave more opportunity not just for exploration but clearly for the puzzle solving my only criticism would be that i then didn't like the development of that in and the way capcom went about designing those puzzles for the two different characters just resulted in in uh, they almost did the impossible they managed to design puzzles that were even more tedious than just pushing a fucking crate or a rock it's, it's not enjoyable it's just annoying you got the, the zapping system which is annoying and then you got the no item boxes which is annoying and then when we were playing it earlier on you got the fact that billy can't mix herbs which is just annoying. I mean, Chris can mix herbs, Jill can mix herbs. They, they haven't got no background in medicine or, you know, like Rebecca, but 
it's just it's just a pointless dumb thing which they added. I, I don't know why, just to try and make it a little bit more difficult or something. But it just comes across as frustrating to me and annoying. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just annoyed me. Well, the biggest issues were that inevitably, even though item boxes weren't there, people just used the main rooms as item rooms, thus defeating the whole point of having item boxes at all. If there's a room where I know there's a particular danger, I'll send one in first and then deal with a situation. Yeah. Maybe just send the other one in, who tends to be a walking item box some of the time. Yeah, um, exactly. When I have local co-op available to play it, that would have been a completely different experience you've got this new feature of having two people do it. Okay, make that scary. Make the environment so that it's, even with two people, it's it's like playing it on your own, and it never is. And I think if you did have two players, it might be, because then you might be fighting over ammunition, and then it can become a situation where you're both playing it in your bedroom, going, right, well, I'll go, as you say, I'll go in first, and then that other person won't be a walking item box, because you'll be sharing the items. That would have been a far more atmospheric way of using this kind of zapping system, albeit local co-op. The other addition, of course, was item management. A mission of item boxes. This was designed to increase the gameplay difficulty. But for me, one of the disadvantages of this was the fact that one of the bonus modes that I really do enjoy, that isn't just a mercenaries, was the real survival mode, which Shinji Mikami favoured initially because that was his initial build of the game was to, to be real, real survival mode and then that was taken out because they felt it would be too difficult for the Japanese market now you, you, you can't have that with the removal of item boxes you just effectively get a room that becomes a central hub so you just get one huge item box yeah exactly it, 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 they may as well have just kept it in and to make it worse an outbreak because they don't have item boxes either they put one in but one you could just climb on <laughs> you can push it and climb on it but you can't oh but you just can't damn you it. can't open it <laughs> It really bothered me because, as you all said, I just picked one room and dropped all my shit in that room and dealt with it that way. In terms of changes or additions, we would like to have seen... Neptune's mentioned it in the past, and whilst me and Crimson Elder were playing it earlier, it came up immediately with the first trailer of Rebecca walking through Arkley Forest. Neptune's mentioned more outside areas, please, haven't you? Always. And that would have been perfect, yeah. He was crying out for it, wasn't it? The forest, dark. You would have been petrified. You know there's dog hounds everywhere. They could mm. jump out at any point, but you obviously know that other things are infected as well. And in an HD thing, you could be walking along and suddenly hear a rustling behind you, like, what the hell's that? And a fugitive, perhaps Billy Cohen, could perhaps have been that fugitive outside with more of an ambiguous motive. Exactly, exactly. I think it would have worked better if, if she had been paired for this partner zapping system with a more experienced member of Bravo team, Enrico Marini, for example. Yeah, or Richard, like they did in Umbrella Chronicles. And that, yeah, that was Richard's great. job was to take care of her. You know, he was supposed yeah. to be her partner. Well, that's a good point. Mm. Just, come on, yeah, there's that backstory of Richard feeling guilty about his sister dying through a, a criminal incident and him not being there to, to, to save and protect his sister. That's why he feels a protective nature towards Jill Valentine. But there still would have been that link with Rebecca taking care of him in the mansion, wouldn't there? So that would have worked well with Richard. Yeah. Well, it's the same with it. It's, it's, just, it's a recent trend with Capcom. They introduce these new characters. They introduce Chevron 5, and she overshadows Jill. And then you got these manga comics where they spend all this time on these new characters, and Clay gets three pages. I don't, I don't give a toss about these new characters, and if they're going to establish them, then continue with them. We, and then you, you introduce Billy Cohen, and then he gets all this story, and the Stars Bravo team get bloody 
shoved to the background. And what what have they done with Billy since? Exactly. Know? Billy's not an established character. I mean, if he carried on, and we've seen him in Res 4 or 5, and you probably care more about his backstory. But I don't blame you. Why should we care about these characters who we see one off? I mean, if you're going to, you know, they introduce Piers and then they kill him, and well, that's supposed to affect us. Yeah, the, the killing of Piers was easily the worst thing they've done for such a long Pop-up. time because he was properly established in the game. And, and Revelations too. Yeah, is in the file and everything. Yeah, but what's the point? He's dead. I know. Why, <laughs> why are we establishing a dead character? Yeah, exactly. He's a main character in that Resident Evil play about Rebecca. <laughs> why? Like Wesker, let's just continue to to milk the Wesker. He's dead. Move on. <laughs> Voice of Rebecca Chambers, Reva De Paula is coming right up. Just before that, we'll draw our Resident Evil Zero debate to a close by very briefly looking at the further representations of Rebecca Chambers after her escape from the Spencer Mansion. Now, for all those Resident Evil fans, just like many at our site, who like to see the official narrative of Resident Evil portrayed in film, and thus, uh, or certainly like myself, take no pleasure from the integrity-killing garbage of nepotistic Paul S. Anderson, there's fantastic news. A third official Resident Evil film is to be released. This third canon entry that Resident Evil makes into film is to feature Rebecca Chambers. Mars the Animation Planet are working on a feature-length CGI film with an initial proposed worldwide release date of 2017. Filmmaker Takashi Shimizu will be executive producer, Takanori Tsumoto directing, and I'll be careful how I say this surname, and, and Makoto Fukami writing the script. The third official Resident Evil film will feature lead characters Leon S. Kennedy, Chris Redfield and Rebecca Chambers. Reva De Paula will be speaking exclusively to Crimson Head Elder about this film on our interview just about to come up. Also to be brought up with Reva during that discussion is Rebecca Chambers' other portrayal in the Resident Evil stage play, which premiered in Japan last October, to be shortly released on DVD with subtitles. Pre-orders are now available this month of January. Now, our Resident Evil Zero podcast is not the time to go into great detail on the play, but site member Resident Evil Chick 99 has posted a thread in our forum where you can find much interesting details and developments on the play, including its portrayal of Rebecca, who is played by Rina Suka, and we find Rebecca in 2010, a BSAA advisor working as a university professor. Now finally, later this spring, at our site Crimson Head Elder, we will be featuring an extensive interview and discussion with S.D. Perry, the author to novelise the series narrative, who has consequently written extensively on the Rebecca Chambers character in Resident Evil Zero Hour, a Resident Evil Zero prologue story, and two independent stories, Caliban Cove, dated between the events of Resident Evil and Resident Evil 3, and Underworld set thereafter. Now, Crimson Elder, I know you're a fan of these novels, and it was yourself that secured the interview with S.D. Perry. What are your thoughts of the Rebecca Chambers character as she, you know, as she was realised in these novels? I think it was good progress for a character. I mean, that's what I imagine would happen after Resident Evil Zero. We, we didn't get it in remake, but in Caliban Cove and in Underworld as well. I think the right progression of her character and. Um, yeah, it they, they helped take the story forward. That's why I like these novels because it gives us small things like that, which may not be canon, but it's still you can still use it to develop the character. Caliban, in, in particular, I think it's 
set in Maine, I think, and New England anyway. She's a lot more confident in going forward, but still, she she does that degree of vulnerability about her, and, and uh, she she inspires confidence around the, the new characters. In the beginning of Caliban Cove, I think the first 50 pages are um, amazing, where you got basically the surviving members of Alpha Rebecca from Bravo, and they basically just go to Barry's house. Yes, yes. And they hold up there. And that was a really good part, and I think that's the kind of thing I want from the series. These people are hanging out together and just, I don't know, get a little little bit of a look at, at the, their actual lives. And then while they're at Barry's house, obviously, they get attacked. But we don't really never get a look into the, their lives in that degree. So that's why I like the books, because they help expand on that. They're always suffering from Jessica Fletcher syndrome, aren't they, from Murder, She Wrote. No matter where, no matter where they go, they always appear that people die and there has outbreaks. Jessica Fletcher, wherever she went, people died. Wherever Leon and Chris go places, oh, no, by has outbreak. Have they not thought they're the baddies? And now for our Top of the Podcast exclusive feature with the very talented and extremely fan-generous actress for Rebecca Chambers, Reva DePaola, for a showcase on her portrayal of Rebecca with a focus on tonight's released remaster of the game for which she plays the lead role. Joining me, George Trevor, for this Crimson Head Elder exclusive are site staff members, the Oracle Dragon and Crimson Elder. Reva, welcome to the Crimson Head Elder podcast and thank you for joining us now for the second time after our massively popular first interview in 2014. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It began as a simple investigation of some bizarre murders in the suburbs of Raccoon City. Nothing in our training could ever have prepared us for the nightmare that ensued. What's going on? Engine failure. Emergency landing. lots of questions from your fans from Resident Evil community members were you contacted by Capcom in the lead up to to this HD remaster of Resident Evil Zero to record additional dialogue or or re-record original lines no I I was aware that a new game was being launched but Capcom didn't reach out uh, which I assume means that there was no additional dialogue work needed there was a lot of debate wasn't there guys in the community about what we would hope would be added to the game we also appreciated at the time that if anything would be added would be very much restricted by whether they did invite the the voice actors back as we've discussed before there isn't really any continuity with those roles yeah for Wesker mode they've got DC Douglas voicing it and then for Wesker in the game they've got Richard Wall so there's two different voice actors in the same game yeah yeah Yeah, that was quite strange because there's this additional mode to the game that isn't anything to add to the narrative Reaver it's just like a battle mode 
narratively doesn't really actually make any sense. <laughs> you play as Rebecca th- in that mode, but there's presumably no dialogue. No, this is exactly the same. The only thing is different. She's got a different outfit on. Well, that's a shame, but uh, as I say, not unusual at all. Now, Riva, how did you react when you heard that Resident Evil Zero would be released in high definition? You must be super excited about all the new fans. Absolutely. I was super excited <laughs> that a new generation of video game fans get to experience the, the game and it was one of my favorite experiences, so I'm I'm really happy that it's getting a you know even a wider audience. That question was asked by one of your long-term old-school fans, Skinny Mini. As you say, yeah, that's what we're excited about, isn't it, guys? That there's going to be a new audience to what we feel is kind of the, the true representation of a, of a Resident Evil survival horror game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it'll show Capcom that there's still people out there who want this kind of game. Plus, in a selfish kind of way, I get to see the game in better graphics. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you suggesting us guys that had it on the GameCube are old now? <laughs> <laughs> Truth hurts, George. <laughs> With your distinguished history as a gamer, and I don't want to make you feel too old, but going all the way back to the, <laughs> <laughs> the good old days of Contra, and uh-huh. yeah, you got a lot of respect when that came up in the first interview. I actually had to Google what it was. I had no idea. What? <laughs> I was two years old. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Are you, it's one in the morning. Can you be up this late? Too much younger. <laughs> okay, so yes, is there any video game feature from the past you've enjoyed that you would have loved to have been included in the remaster of Zero? This is a real a real gamer question, so <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer that. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm sure that they did yeah. an amazing job and included like anything that they that they thought could heighten the game, but mm-hmm. um, I don't have anything specific really that I can point to. Well, are we going on too much of a nerd level there? <laughs> <laughs> Contra was cool. That's not nerd. That's not nerd at all. (laughs) No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, anything that really kind of would bring to light Rebecca's like weaknesses or that we could, if we could see her in a new light, um, I think that would really be cool to, to be included just to see, you know, just to see a new part of her and that a new part, like, um, you know, a weakness that's exposed that we haven't had an opportunity to really see before. I think that would, would be cool. Aside from Resident Evil, what have you been up to since your work with Capcom? Site member Yoke asks, anything for your fans to look out for? Well, you know, I've been, as I, you know, talked to you about before, I've been primarily doing a lot of theater in New York, a lot of voiceover in the commercial world. Um, You know, I've actually recorded two video games um, in the past two years, but they haven't come out yet. And I've got non-disclosure agreements, so I actually can't talk about them. Hopefully. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they'll be coming out. I always, I check in every, you know, like six months uh, with uh, with the director saying, you know, how things are coming along. And, but yeah, no news on those yet. Oh, fantastic. Normally, obviously, when artists say NDA, our hearts sink. But I was actually quite pleased when you said that because I was feeling quite guilty. I hadn't done my homework when you mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> when you mentioned about two for the video games because I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about that. So um, yeah, you know, these games, they take a long time in development and sometimes you know, even 
um, they'll, they give you a timeline and it's like, no, they're not ready. And, and they just, they take as much time as they need really to, mm. to get things right. So sometimes it takes a really long time. Skinny Mini, a big fan of yours. She's asked another question. How does it compare preparing for a play? You've got that theatre work that you're heavily yeah. involved with. Comparing that to, for example, a video game voiceover role. And if you could only do one for the rest of your life, which one would it be and why? Oh, wow. Um, that's a really great question. They're, they're so different. It's so different to prepare for. There's... There's a real intensity to preparing a character that's mostly on your own, you know, when you're doing voiceover in a video game. Rather than in theater, you know, it's a very shared experience. It's about yeah. listening and reacting. You know, you're, you're in rehearsals and you're listening to the others and you're, you're reacting and your performance is based on what the other people are giving you. Whereas... In voiceover, you know, you're on your own, you're in the booth, um, and there, and you know, when I say there's a real intensity, it's it's like it's intense because it's just you, and you have to kind of create this entire, you know, you have to imagine this entire world in your head, and then imagine, you know, where where you're kind of going to go with it, and you really have to rely on the director to make sure that tonally you are on the right track with everything else that they're doing because you don't a lot of the time get to see everything you know you don't get to see you get to see you know some character mm. sketches and maybe you get to see part of what they've been working on and and you know maybe hear one or two of the other actors but you're not working with any of the other actors you're not part of the creative process with the animators so you really have to rely on this person and trust that this person is, you know, putting you in the right direction or that, you know, that's reining you in. It's a really different experience. That must have proved even more so a challenge for Resident Evil Zero because of all the Resident Evil games, suddenly you're thrown into the first one to use the partner zapping system. So you're working heavily with a fellow protagonist. And as we mentioned in, in our previous exclusive interview, you had no interaction with the voice actor for Billy. Yeah. In voiceover, it's normal to record on your own. So it's not like a big shock. You're kind of, you know, you're used to it. I do stuff all the time. You know, I'm in the booth on my own. You kind of get used to that. Um, but it, it's a totally different, you know, process than, than how you prepare to, to work on a play. So it's, it's very different. And I mean, in terms of choosing one and, oh God, <laughs> I would hate that. You know, I find like theater and voiceover are so similar in terms of what they give you creatively, even though the, you know, the process of preparation is different creatively, um, mm. you know, voiceover and theater just, just are symbiotic. So I don't want to pick. Do I have to? <laughs> you must pick. <laughs> we'll come back to you if she thinks I've let you off the hook there. Okay, okay. <laughs> Site member James Marcus, he asks, now that the game Reva stars in is again Resident Evil headline news, how does she feel to still be revered by the fans of the original GameCube release as a series icon after all these years and also with the new HD release to still be relevant and enjoyed by a new generation of gamers? Well, at the time, you know, I had no idea it was going to be so big. And uh, I feel so honored to be a part of this game and, 
And I'm super excited to share it with the next uh, generation. You know, um, I have a godson who is, he just turned 10. And uh, when I told him, he was so excited. <laughs> he's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear you. And of course, he's going to, you know, I'm sure want me to like, recite the lines and everything <laughs> for him. But it's, it's really cool, you know, to be able to share this with him now. And so... Um, wow. Yeah, it, it's really neat. I bet your cool status has, you know, gone through the roof in his eyes. <laughs> totally. Oh my god! Immediately, Imme- he's such a big gamer, and so immediately when I told him, he was just—I was, yeah—I was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember a highlight from our last interview. You mentioning that I think your brother is a Resident Evil fan, and, and he's yeah. nagged you to do lines. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Now, Yoke asks, and I know this is a question on everybody's lips, have you been contacted by Capcom yet to reprise the role of Rebecca in future games and movies? There's nothing officially on the horizon, but if they reached out, I would absolutely love to be a part of a new game in the series and have the opportunity to reprise the role of Rebecca again. Absolutely. I've heard, uh, you know, about different things that are going on as for the the new CGI movie. There's nothing, you know, in the pipeline yet, but, uh, you know, again, things can move really quickly um, in the voiceover casting world. It's it's a great frustration for the fans. Hopefully they, they reach out to you because I'm not ready for Rebecca to go back to the kids' voice. It takes you out of it, right? You're in it and uh, it just exactly. kind of takes you out of it. Yeah, just I get that. enjoy the character and get into it. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is the Oracle Dragon. And we have a special feature for you. Rebecca's Report, read by Riva DePaola, in character as Rebecca Chambers. As a special treat, Yuki, the Crimson Head Elder Translator, a native Japanese, has provided us with an English translation of the original Japanese file, free of the many errors in the poorly translated localization. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the correct translation of Rebecca's Report, found in the star's office, only on a Nintendo 64 port of Resident Evil 2. On July 23rd, a burning MP car was found in the Arkley Mountains. There were bodies of MP officers and also an unidentified body lying nearby. According to information by the military, this body has been identified as former 2nd Lieutenant Billy Cohen, who had been sentenced to death by court-martial on the 22nd of July. It is assumed that they encountered some sort of accident during this transfer by Marine MP. The bodies had been bitten by something resembling beasts, and the damage was significant. The following day, we went to the location to collect the bodies, but we could not find them. This is an assumption, but they probably became zombies and left the location. Although the military is demanding the handover of former 2nd Lieutenant Cohen's body, the recovery of the body is extremely difficult due to the above reason. Therefore, I would like to suspend the investigation of this matter. Raccoon Police, Stars Team, Rebecca Chambers. 
one of the reasons why I was attracted to Resident Evil is the multi-dimensions of these characters, the, 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 the files that we get to read. You get to engage with them almost on a, a level comparable to, to, to reading a, a novel or, or seeing a film. So I just think that it just kind of chips a little bit away at the integrity when they do just you chop and change with voice actors for no other yeah. reason. And for, for no other reason, really, than, than whether someone's with, with an agency or, or a rate rather than the actual quality of the actor. Right, yeah. yeah. When you're playing as these characters, you want to invest into them. And if, they, if they're chopping and changing all the time, it's like when a TV show gets a new screenwriter, like Dexter. You can you can just sense that something's yes. changed. Yes! Oh my gosh, Dexter that had the new yeah. showrunner and it was awful. I know. So it's the same kind of thing. You can sort of sense it in the uh, performance or the the way the show plays out. You don't tend to get into it as much as you was then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This is a question many of your fans have posted in the Crimson Head Elder forum and is also asked in relation to a new Resident Evil film, an official Capcom CGI release, not an unofficial Paul Anderson movie. Uh, what do you think of the attention Rebecca has garnered lately with an official Resident Evil stage play in Japan and being announced in the next CGI film? Will you be involved in the CGI film if you can comment on that publicly? Regarding the play, I have heard uh, through the grapevine about the play and it sounds like something I would love to see. It, it sounds really cool. Like me, we're going to need subtitles for it, but we'll still get to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. With the popularity, they may then look to do an English localization in the States. So yeah, Japanese theater is very, very disciplined. And I don't know who is attached to it yet, uh, who is kind of creating, directing, but I, I've seen some really wonderful Japanese theater. All right. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. This one comes from Resident Evil Chick 99, who asks, what other partners would you like Rebecca to be paired off for this game and any other new installment? Hmm. I don't know. Good question. Well, I think from a character perspective, I would love her to be paired up with any character that could draw out some sort of emotion that would allow us to see that emotion in her. Mm. A different, something that we haven't seen before. For some reason, I just imagined Rebecca with Barry. Papa Bear, and here's Rebecca. I'll look after yeah. you, kid. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's quite an avuncular character, isn't he? He's, he's almost like everyone's favorite uncle. Mm. What about another girl? Like another woman, another strong mm. woman to like pair up with her? You can have Moira, and then you'd have Rebecca as more of the mature role. Then. Yeah. So she's come full oh. circle. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking more Wesker. Oh, um, no, no. The, the fact that he's got the photo on his desk, um, that's definitely going to draw some emotion out. Wait a minute, why is Wesker having this in his desk? <laughs> yeah. hmm, maybe he took the photo, but why is he uh, doing that? Well, it's <laughs> basketball gear and his young girl, I don't know. Yeah, we'll leave it at that, yeah, okay. yeah. Who would go to the trouble I of know. doing it 50 times? I know. Then? There's people that actually go around clicking stuff several times to see if something would happen. 50 <laughs> times, yeah. oh my gosh, that's a lot though. <laughs> but I do kind of do it a bit because of that photograph but it's quite cool you know that she doesn't feature in the game then you just get that little photo of her playing basketball oddly yeah that's so kind of <laughs> random <laughs> yeah all right moving on another question from skinny mini and nemesis oh wow 
The question is, if Reba was asked to voice Rebecca Chambers in a future installment, would she prefer to deliver her voice as a more mature and more authoritative Rebecca Chambers, who has survived Umbrella's training center in Spencer Mansion, even if Capcom made her voice match with the original, which I'm sure they'd make her do for continuity? You know, as any character develops and arcs, they sort of evolve and, um, you know, they are the whole sum of their experiences. So I guess it would be hard to say now, you know, it would depend on, on where it was at. Um, I think it would be something very interesting to explore because those experiences, of course, they, they, they shape her and they change her. So, you know, she's going to have more confidence or, um, you know, less sort of innocence about her. And then that absolutely is going to change her voice. Considering what she's seen and been through and having to kill her own friends. Yeah. Yeah, there's none of that experience in her voice that she's gone through those events. It's kind of like she just blocked it out just for that moment <laughs> so she wouldn't have to deal with it. All right, next question. Have you read any of S.D. Perry's Resident Evil novels? I haven't. I haven't. Um, but I think uh, if I were to do a new game or a film, those are definitely books I would use to develop her character. Uh, let's see. Now we're going to go back to the GameCube release. The section of questions surrounding those recordings from the fans who have joined us on the website. This one's asked by Wonder Man, and he asks you, because of Rebecca's voice actor in the first Resident Evil game on the PlayStation was an over-the-top when it came to voicing the characters' reactions and responses to the other characters, because we all know how, ah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> were you directed to play the world as a more serious and less over-the-top person? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they hired me because they liked the sort of conversational tone of my work. Um, because prior to doing this, I had done some um, radio plays and it was very conversational stuff. And so I think in my auditions that they really liked that. And they definitely directed me in that vein, you know, a very real and honest sort of portrayal. Um, but I mean, I like to think that they also trusted my instincts, you know, in the booth, you know, when I wanted to try different things too, but they definitely directed me that way for sure. Excellent. Because <laughs> you really sound perfect for Rebecca because you're just a normal person. You're not shrilly and high. <laughs> yeah, she's real and these characters are real. Like they, you know, these are, they need to feel real. They, they need to be living and breathing and I think it's really important to keep them grounded. And I think it's so important to have like a, an authentic sound. I, you know, nobody likes, you're taken out of things when it sounds like a cartoon. This isn't a cartoon. Resident Evil cannot take itself too seriously for me. Oracle actually does quite a good impression because it really, it really yeah. is like, it really is like that. It's just almost childlike, isn't it? Chris, Chris. <laughs> Careful, I will, we'll see you turning up in the stage play. <laughs> When you recorded Rebecca's Diary for us on Crimson Head Elder, I couldn't help but notice that you very successfully and gracefully slipped back into the role of Rebecca and managed to nail her voice exactly the way you did in recording the game. Was it an easy process to do her voice or did you take preparation to get back into her after all these years? <laughs> well, thank you. That was my um, question, I, by the way. I love... Aw, thank you. <laughs> I, I love Rebecca Chambers and she's in my head. Uh, you know, I can still hear her and so it really only takes me you know a few minutes to get right back there with her so no i don't i don't need a lot of preparation the girl the girl's in me 
July 23rd, 1998, 10.25 p.m. I'm so excited. It's my first mission as field medic on the STARS Bravo team. I certainly hope my comrades can benefit from my assistance. But our mission is disturbing. Murders roam the forest? Perhaps we can finally answer that question and solve this case for the benefit of the community. Still, I wonder if it was a good idea for Captain Marini to split us up after we discovered that wrecked MP vehicle and those dead soldiers. If there really is an escaped military convict in these woods, we might be unable to assist him individually. Wait, what is that object beyond the trees? Is that a train? Why is it parked out here in the middle of the woods? If we are to get to the bottom of this case, I have to be brave and investigate. I have no idea how many miles we traveled on that nightmare train. I don't know why those passengers turned into monsters and attacked. But I'm glad the prisoner, Billy Cohen, worked with me to activate the emergency brakes in time. He helped save both our lives. But we're stranded now. In some unknown building in the middle of nowhere. Surrounded by festering demons. I wonder how my comrades and Bravo team are doing. Will I ever rejoin them? And the convicted lieutenant? How well can I rely on someone who could hurt so many people, even if he is the only other human being in this desperate situation? Hours have passed and we still can't find a way out of this facility. What was Umbrella Corporation doing in this foreboding place? Why all the security locks, secret passages and traps? This seems like a training facility for new employees and more like a house of unspeakable horrors. My sense of dread continues to grow as we encounter more and more members of Umbrella's first investigation turned into creepy zombies. If Umbrella's own personnel had no chance to survive, how can we live through this night? Lieutenant Cohen has proved to be a valuable ally in almost every situation. I will never forget being trapped in that mutant monster's claws. I was sure it was all over, yet Billy risked his own life to save me. How did he kill all those people? It must be some kind of mistake. I have to find out the truth about him, and I think we also need to find out what happened to the mysterious Dr. Marcus. Did he really disappear, or could he still be here after all these years? Again, a man who is a complete mystery to me has saved my life. I have to let go of my apprehensions and trust him. Billy really is a loyal and caring person. I just wish he wasn't a fugitive from justice, because he would make an excellent STARS officer. The key we found in the horrible basement of this place should enable us to return to the upper levels of this facility and search new areas to find a way out of here. Finally, we've escaped from that training facility. The equipment and weapons we've come to depend on are heavy and hard to carry, but lugging them from place to place is better than being caught off guard. Although we've left one doomed building, an even more ominous place looms just ahead. What could possibly be the connection between the Umbrella Corporation and a church of all places? Hopefully there's no connection whatsoever, but nothing is as it seems anymore. This is all like some unreal nightmare, but it is definitely happening.
In spite of how hopeless it looks, I can only hope that Billy survived the attack and that I can find him somewhere on the other end of that cable car line. On my own, managing my weapons and finding some means of escape isn't going to be easy. I just have to take deep breaths and count on the inheritance left to me by that poor man who died on the cable car. Billy must be alive. He must be. Still no sign of Billy. Entangling with that overgrown zombie didn't help one bit. He must be trapped in the lower levels of this facility. But just how deep underground does it go? While it was a pleasant surprise to be reunited with the captain, I can't shake this sense of dread. Something awful is going to happen. And if I don't move fast, I might be too late to prevent it. It comes across in your recording and we've had so many positive comments left at the site on our YouTube channel where we've uploaded the, the diary recording. We're privileged as a site to have that because it's it's an extra dimension on the character and, and it's a great exclusive for us as a custodian to have that recording of you reprising your role. So, so thank you, Reva. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah, that was a really great recording. I enjoyed it a lot. It's nice when a, an actor plays as a character and they got something in common with the character, uh, something yeah. they can relate to, and it's, it's nice to see that. Yeah, thank you, yeah. I have searched far and wide for the voice actor of Billy Cohen, David Webster, but cannot seem to locate him. Like his character in the game, he is well and truly vanished into the background. Did you ever meet him in your recording sessions? I no, I didn't officially meet him. Unfortunately, no. I can't believe he's vanished, though. Uh, that's that's so crazy that you can't find him. I wonder if I can find him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna look in my back end. I have a back end. Wow, nothing really. It's crazy. I, there's a back end web voiceover website. Every like voiceovers have their through their agencies, but no. Okay, well, we've got some more questions for you, Reva. Over to Crimson Elder, and he's got some selected questions that were posted at our website from your many fans. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's an honour to meet you. Reva's having a problem with her headphones, so she's just asked, can you talk particularly slowly and try not to sound as Welsh as possible? Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen that coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> so George has already given you the heads up that uh, I may need subtitles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, George. <laughs> you watched Brooklyn? Have you seen Brooklyn? The main character is uh, Irish, and I'm part of the Screen Actors Guild, so um, I vote for the Screen Actors Awards, and uh, we got our screeners to vote. And they gave us subtitles. So, I mean, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. At first I thought, is this not in English? And then I realized, no, she just uh. <laughs> got an Irish accent. I thought that was hilarious. I got a really bad cough, so I'm muked in it. I don't want to go, done the, done the mic, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank He's you. He's infected. Put him down. I'm going to open up with a serious question here for you, Reva. Had you been in Rebecca's shoes, would you have trusted a man who supposedly killed 23 people? Uh, <laughs> it's serious don't laugh it's serious <laughs> do you think she is naive or just a good judge of character because she was actually right to trust him despite the massive risk she had taken you know would i who knows maybe <laughs> i mean you know i think about this and uh i look back at my life and i've hung around some pretty sketchy people in my travels. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I think I think it's all about, you know, trusting your gut, trusting your instincts. And there's no denying that Rebecca Chambers has got great instincts. And, you know, she innate, innately, uh, she knew to trust him. And I think, you know, that's what makes her so valuable. She can rely and kind of get by um, and get through everything by kind of trusting her gut. So when you say you've been around <laughs> sketchy people, I'm assuming you mean one of us. <laughs> it's got to be you, George. <laughs> you stated that your brother is a Resident Evil fan, and does he ask you to quote some of Rebecca's iconic lines? Any member of the public ever recognized your voice while you're out buying green herbs in your local store? <laughs> Which I do every week. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so my brother, absolutely, he makes me recite lines, and uh, so do some of my friends. And, you know, especially when they're around their friends, I'm, I'm like their little puppet. But, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. I've never been recognized for my voice. But, you know, it's funny because people often tell me I have a familiar voice or that I sound like someone they know. And I, I honestly think it's because I'm playing on their TV or they've heard me somewhere, you know, without, without them even noticing. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows if I'm just lurking in, their, in the background of their living room? <laughs> Play Resident Evil Zero! Play it! Yeah. <laughs> You're under arrest. No thanks, Dollface. Cooperate with you? Ruin, girl! Or maybe you like being worm bait. Oh. Are you alright? Yes. Where am I? You're safe now. Did you kill 23 people? I'm not going to judge you. I just want to know the truth. Rebecca! When you played the original Resident Evil game, did Rebecca actually stand out to you at the time? I think that she was, uh, you know, evidently a, a determined, strong... Uh, character and I mean I'm happy to see a character a female character like that so yeah absolutely and here's an old school question from Morpheus Deval I heard on your first interview with Crimson Head Elder that you love video games mm -hmm. uh, in brackets we've got Contra player gets respect <laughs> yep. I love the way you read that like you've got no idea what Contra is <laughs> I have no idea what Contra is I have to google it <laughs> it's a game <laughs> and both you and your brother played the original Resident Evil together. Do you still play video games? And more importantly, do you still play Resident Evil? My brother is still an avid player, but me, not so much anymore. But I am looking forward to playing the remaster for sure. Did you ever consider doing more video game work or voiceover in the anime world? I asked because as a fan, I couldn't find you in other video games, which surprises me. You did a great job in Zero. Would you consider jumping back into the video game world now? If so, which series would you join and why? So, I mean, listen, I love doing video game work, absolutely. Uh, and the voiceover world is, is you know, kind of all about timing. Um, there's been some projects, you know, in the pipe um, that, I, that I did in the past that actually never came to fruition. Um, and, you know, I think hopefully there's some new video game voiceover opportunities to come together. I don't know if I'm going to lose any points for saying this, but I, I would love to be part of a game like Grand Theft Auto because I feel like it would be so cool to have some sort of strong, fierce female lead mm -hmm. in, in that sort of series. So I don't know if, <laughs> if you guys are like, not cool. Yeah. That's not cool for me to say that. Oh, but, no, no. I think no. definitely there should be more. 
the ones that there are stand out alone there's Bayonetta it would be interesting to have a female character in the Grand Theft Auto series because it's usually just guys and the females are side characters but a lead female that would be awesome yeah Yeah. I think I think you are actually onto something there because that seems to be a popular thing that I've been doing online recently is the next Grand Theft Auto is going to be a female character just it seems it just feels right it totally feels like my jam well what I think is unfortunate is, is, is a game that has had very strong lead female characters in it Rebecca Chambers and prior to her Ada Wong Jill Valentine Claire Redfield but then more recently Mm. the female characters are dressed in the most ridiculous outfits just ridiculous from Revelations those two girls the one wearing high heels and one has her hair all over her face and I'm thinking okay how are you going to see if your hair is going to be in your face like that and the other one was (laughs) half dressed one of her legs sticking out she's wearing high heels you're going to go on a mission wearing that yeah where's your tactical gear (laughs) yeah but i mean i think it can still appeal to the audience like you know if you see a kick-ass girl in just like kicking ass but in uh, normal clothes i think that's still very sexy you don't need to be seeing you know sexy outfits and fully revealing outfits i I agree with you my my favorite characters are like jill valentine and, and that's from resident evil one Reva, thank you so very much. You really gave us some great insight and some great detail into a lot of those questions. And, and it couldn't be easy as well just throwing you back into a role that, that obviously that, that you haven't reprised since. I imagine the recording sessions would have been around 2000. Thank you so much. Yes, you're very welcome. And thank you so much for having me. It's been super fun talking about all this stuff. So I'm uh, excited and excited for it to come out. And I can't wait to hear what everybody, you know, everyone talking about. I can't wait to play it. Thank you so much for joining us again, Reva. It means everything to us and the community. When someone involved in the Resident Evil title takes the time to talk to us, I help us shed light on what goes into making these games. And without voice actors like yourself, we would have very little insight into this world. Also, thank you for bringing life to Rebecca Chambers, finally, and giving her personality. Aw, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate you coming on here, Reva. All right, well, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Can you see that area behind me beneath the red tinted sky? That is what's left of Raccoon City. Our platoon is cut off. No survivors found. You'd rather starve to death in here than be eaten by one of those undead monsters. We're both gonna die. Shoot. Down! I lost all my men because of her! All is lost. Cries of agony. Stars. Unity breeds power.